first episode of Tea Time with a Teacher. I'm your host, JB McConney, and I'd love to introduce you to our first guest of the podcast. She graduated from Wellesley. She has a master's from Columbia. She has over five years of teaching experience, has been a dean of instruction, an ELA achievement support specialist, and is also a dear friend of mine and just an overall great person. So thank you for joining us on Tea Time with the Teacher. Welcome our first guest, Sheikha Kofi. Sheikha, welcome to Tea Time with the Teacher. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to join. Kind of like what we were talking about before, I just wanted this to be a space. Teachers driving uh, driving to work or driving home from work or going mm-hmm. to happy hour or something and just having this to listen to as, as a way mm-hmm. to like connect to and, and hopefully relate to. So I think the, the, first, the first kind of topic is, is, of course, COVID. So how has COVID kind of impacted just everything going on? Yes, yeah, so definitely COVID has wrecked havoc on everything that we're doing. Um, I think that it's put schools in a position where they realize that they haven't been serving kids the way they should have been. Um, I think about a lot of students who now in spring break, we were all together. Prior to spring break, we were all together. We were learning. Now it's like, here's a laptop, figure out how to log on to, to talk with your teacher and figure it out and go. Some of these students don't know how to turn a laptop on. You have high schoolers who don't even know how to type, right? And schools that have worked for, or the districts that I worked for, you know, claim that we're college ready. You can't tell me that we're college ready and that high schoolers don't know how to type, right? So just thinking about that makes me think about how much inequity there is in the school system and how we haven't even moved past kind of how formal education has started in this country, Right. When we think about in the past, the teacher would stand up in the front of the classroom and deliver a lesson, right? Now we have COVID where we have to switch to this online, you know, platform and everyone is freaking out, right? Because we're just so used to that model. This is the way that our parents have been taught, our great, our grandparents have been taught, our great grandparents. So now it's like, whoa, we're not going to stand in front of kids anymore. You know, I think the only shift has been now we add these like fancy terms like data-driven instruction aggressively monitoring and all these fancy trackers. But at the end of the day, it's the model. So I also think that it just shows how far we haven't come with formal education and how we, what, what a classroom looked like. So I'm hoping that after COVID, that districts are going to start being more creative in terms of like what instruction looks like for kids. Yeah, I mean, like the use of tech and the gaps in in technology and like literacy and how to use you know, these things that we all know, like in the real world, you use all the time. It's like where we we're now realizing that we were at zero. Yeah, and exactly. and I don't know if you've noticed the same um, in your district as well, but over here we you know it's such a clear difference with kids who are are in person and kids who are virtual. As far as like academically, there are just huge gaps with students who are able to stay home because, you know, they have parents that are there and saying like keeping them on the computer and things like that versus, Mm -hmm. you know, some of the kids who may not feel safe, but they're there because, you know, their parents have to work and and they're not learning. So Mm -hmm. I think like I was talking with the teacher today and we're like, let's be honest, like we're kind of like checking a box. We're not actually like Mm -hmm. the kids are not learning and we can say all these key terms, like you said, but like at the end of the day, you know, the gaps are so large and and we're being asked to do these crazy things or at least say we're doing them. But we know like deep down that this is is testing our our 
instructional expertise, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I think we're at a place where we're just trying to stay afloat. We're trying to make sure that kids are quote unquote learning and we're trying to make sure that like kids feel safe. But I feel think if you walk into any school building and say like, what are the gaps and what are you doing to close them? I'm very sure you wouldn't get a very clear answer. And I'm very sure you wouldn't get a very clear plan because truthfully, do we even know what the gaps are? Like a student is learning virtually can you really what they have learned and what they have and like how are you measuring that so I feel like the gaps are getting wider and wider we don't know what the gaps are so we are just kind of kind of floating through and trying to make it through yeah I mean I think we always do as teachers it's taking what district initiative and adapting it to what we know is best for the kids. So doing all these lesson plans and data dives and all that stuff. And and then realizing, I know some teachers are just saying, Hey, I'm just going to teach you tech skills and we're Mm going to like shape our curriculum to like just knowing technology and, and saying, you know what, we're going to go, we're going to ignore the curriculum because at the end of the day, we know that this is way more important. And, And I think there's just like a disconnect between teachers in the classrooms and either above us or even just people who are like, you know, after all making the decisions for us, the yeah. state governments and all stuff. Yeah. And and I think that's kind of the sad thing about education because as I move up and up in my career, like I was a dean on a campus and now I moved on to the regional level, you just get far removed from kids and from teachers, right? So now you have people making decisions that literally impact lives, but they're not on the ground. They're not in the classrooms. They're not doing a lot of the heavy lifting that teachers need to do. So that's the one one thing that I don't like about moving up in the educational realm, because it's like you become far removed. Yeah. So I've heard that a lot. Um, And what do you think? Because I've seen, you know, teachers who move up who you you would say, oh, they would they would never do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So is it like the system and the in the infrastructure and just like the culture? What is it that makes even the most empathetic teacher when they become an administrator and forget who they are. I, I definitely think it has a lot to do with like the infrastructure systems put into place. When you create the duties of a dean or administrator, whatever it is, to, to where, you know, they have all these many tasks to do. The last thing that comes on your list is building relationships, right? I think it has a lot to do with the the school leader or the principal and how they, what their vision and their mission is, right? That administrator should be able to create their work schedule. So there, there are times and opportunities to build those relationships. But when you have like all of these metrics and all of this pressure to like meet these deadlines and we need to push this teacher to, to meet this goal, there's so much pressure that something has to go to the wayside. And usually that first thing, it's the kids, right? You're trying to get into this teacher's classroom and figure out how you're going to push their data. You're trying to figure out how you're going to prepare for a meeting, a content team meeting when you're going to sit in front of like a whole bunch of teachers. You're thinking about how you're going to make sure teachers are present for hallway duty. Like there's just so many competing interests that those things fall fall to the wayside. Seeing this disconnect between administrators and and, and feeling that pressure that makes them not be able to build relationships with students or connect mm-hmm. with their teachers. Like, what do you think helps reverse that, hopefully, or at least build a bridge between those two stakeholders? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. I mean, you got, it's a million dollar question, to be honest. So <laughs> if you don't have the answer, then... Yeah, I don't. I don't think I have a great answer. Like for instance, if there there was a principal and they allowed time during the day for administrators to have some sort of like 
student council group, you know, some sort of club. I think that's a start, like with building those kind of relationships, thinking about creating a culture where it's not, not saying like it's looked down upon, but like it's okay for an administrator to stay in chaperone the dance like usually an administrator is the one that like sits in the front office and like kind of closes out the building but not really being involved or there at the dance so I just think also comes with like the culture of administrators can be involved with these things I know we did these things called bit trips and that was all teacher driven like that was never something that was put on like an administrator and the bit trip was students would say after school they would use points to participate in some sort of like trip whether it be like movie on campus or I know one time we ordered banh mi sandwiches because we were reading a book that mm. in Vietnam <laughs> mm-hmm. stuff like that I just feel like the culture also has to shift because it becomes now like a teacher problem like you need to host the bit trips you need to go on the spring trips like as an admin I'm gonna have my own room and if you need me like call me but I think it just needs to be a cultural shift yeah no I agree and and I was actually thinking about our mutual friend slash uh, manager mentor Terry and he was saying you know he said for years like administrators when the bell rings they don't have to be anywhere and the teachers mm-hmm. do and I think and he always said you know the teacher's job is the hardest and and yeah. I think that like mindset of hey the bell rings like I've got meetings I've got work but I can do that mm-hmm. whenever that kind of like thinking is is what makes it like kind of divided and I think you can see that in some schools in a lot of schools where there's a clear divide between the admin and the teachers Mm -hmm. and so therefore it becomes a like hey we tell you what to do you do it and there's no like crossover exactly Um, so yeah I, I agree with you in like the culture um, is really what has to shift in your school. So when you become a principal or whatever big thing you're going to be, then, <laughs> then we'll, we'll bring you back and we'll ask you how it's going. And if you still, uh, still Hopefully I'll have empathize. answers by then because I certainly don't have them now. So what about, I know we've talked a lot about people in education, but what about, you know, either people you've actually like talked with and friends um, mm-hmm. or even just an imaginary, like what you'd imagine someone outside of education? Because I know I interact only with educators, it seems like. Yeah. What would you like, what do you think they don't understand because they don't know, or maybe they misunderstand about what's going on in general, but also like mm-hmm. what's specifically now are they not realizing is happening in schools? Well, the first thing I would say is I think people who are not educators or not in this field think that teaching is easy, that they can Mm -hmm. just stand in front of kids and you can yell at them and they're going to do whatever you tell them to do. That is completely false. Teaching is a science. Like it's it's an art. It, it requires a certain formula, but it also requires some sort of putting your own spin to it and passion. And kids see right through BS. They, they will call you out on it too. I think people who are not part of this field believe that teaching is easy. And then I think because of that, Teaching is seen as this not a noble job. Oh, you know, it's great that you're a teacher, but like people don't respect it as much a doctor or something that they feel like requires some like kind of specialized skill. But you, you just can't take it. I know you can't take anyone out of the street then expect them to perform surgery, but you cannot, you can't also expect to take someone off the street and be put in front of kids and actually grow kids' minds and to build relationships and to do all the things that come with it. So I think people don't re- realize how involved it is to be a teacher how involved it is to connect with families, to connect with students, 
to get respect from your admin, do all the duties that are required of you. Like there's just so much that goes into the day. It's not just standing in front of a classroom. So that's one thing for sure. I think people don't know. I think people don't know, like, especially working in a lower income neighborhood, the type of issues that we face. A lot of stories that I have shared with people who are not part of the field, people are like, oh my gosh, is that like for real? Like, did that really happen? Like they kind of like doubt the truth (laughs) of the story. Yes, like we see real stuff all the time. And like students and families, they, they do struggle. They do have, you know, things that they go through, but there's also so much joy and passion that they bring. So yeah, I think people just don't understand all that. Yeah, I mean, it's like a performance every day you're performing for like Mm -hmm. six groups of 30 people or whatever. (laughs) Um, And if you don't come ready for a nine hour performance, Mm -hmm. then you're torched, right? They torch you. So so I think that like mental and physical drain that it Mm -hmm. takes to do that effectively, consistently, let alone the like conversations you have with a whole bunch of students knowing their family and then calling mm-hmm. other parents and having bus duty in the morning and all those things I think there yeah again there's like a disconnect and I think it's yes. kind of you know like you said it's a great field you know you're still doing such an honorable thing mm-hmm. and 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 then the line is drawn there and it's like yes. well let's get back to our normal lives mm-hmm. um and 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 I think you even see that with parents too of like hey here's school like let's throw our kids um and teachers you know you guys got it um, yep. and, and so there's no like, oh, no, I invest in you because you're investing in like our kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, yeah, I think that's just like a societal shift, too, because, um, you know, my mom always is like, hey, go teach English in Korea. You'll be treated better than a doctor. Yeah. And, and so, I mean, it's just like this mass education. And I think most most people who are wealthy and have means are like, hey, you know. Mm-hmm. Who cares if they're effective? In fact, I don't want them to be effective because then they're going to be equipped with the tools to challenge the status quo. Let's respect people who have knowledge that are giving it to us. And, mm-hmm. and I don't even know how to characterize it. I guess the best way is like babysitting. You're the gatekeeper of knowledge and you're a babysitter. And yeah. so it makes sense that, of course, the pay is way different. And, mm-hmm. and just more than anything, you know, I let alone the pay, I'm sure most teachers would say, I just want more respect. Mm -hmm. Um, as like, Mm -hmm. you are a valued profession, you have trained your craft and you are working so hard and making such an impact, you know, just sit in the classroom and show a movie or whatever, Mm -hmm. I guess the stereotype is of Mm -hmm. of teachers in the United States. But do you think there's like a real genuine thirst for like, I want to grow my brain. I want to go into the classroom and learn about different things and discover things. Do you think there's a, that thirst in our culture? I mean, I mean, I think it's there. I just don't think that people see the education system as the opportunity to do that, especially in like the lower grades. You know, I don't think parents are sending their kids, at least in certain schools where it's like, oh, you're going to like have this creative time or this Mm -hmm. arts and crafts and all that stuff. It's, I mean, we've seen it and and maybe that's what it's like in some schools. I'm sure it is. You know, my cousin, Mm -hmm. you know, um, uh, they, you know, they are pretty wealthy and they go to a school with no grades and it's pretty much Mm -hmm. the entire school is all these you know, what you imagine, like the most progressive school. Yeah. Um, and here we are, you know, every day saying, well, this is how the objective, you know, relates to the star exam. And it's <laughs> like, well, that's not what, 
it's going to inspire creative thinking. And, and again, the teachers, you know, we have one or two lessons here and there where we kind of mm-hmm. say like, Hey, let's do this. But yeah. other than that, I mean, we're, we're put in a box and said, get out of the box because I, I love that you said that, like we have, we talk about the objective and how it relates to the star. So in a way, the system doesn't even allow for the creativity. Cause I, I remember like, sometimes I wanted to do like different cool projects in class. And the question was, how is the line to the star? And I'm like, it's not aligned to the star. This is something that kids can learn more about themselves. They can learn more about their communities. It's something that it can be applicable to their lives and like grow their brains. But it was always like, how can this align to star? So I felt like at one point, well, not at one point, I always felt like I was teaching to a test. I saw seventh grade English. So there was two and there was pressure to meet like all these metrics. And it's like, you can't really inspire this creativity and this like thirst for knowledge because we're preparing you for this boring four hour test that you're going to answer it and never even remember anything or any questions that were asked on the test. Yeah. I mean, I imagine doing like as a, as a former seventh grade English teacher, like imagine getting six weeks to do just like a six week long project for students Mm -hmm. to like explore a topic and write a persuasive essay or do a a research project on it Mm -hmm. Um, and feeling no pressure to achieve a certain objective other than the, the, the ones that you knew they would need for the real world. What is it? Like, I just remember in my, in my experience, you know, it was like you had to fix the error and then each multiple choice, it was like change corrected to correct or something, you know? And it's like how, you know, that's important, but like how, is that engaging for like a 12 year old or 13 year old to like love school? And it's not. And that's when you start losing a lot of kids because they're bored. And then as a teacher, you're like, you know, it's boring, but Mm -hmm. then I had people come in from home office um, and observe my class and say like, Oh, like this is what you're supposed to be teaching for today. Okay. Thanks. (laughs) And and it's like, what you're, what, what you're asking me to teach is super boring. Can't even step outside of that and do you can't do anything. Just- yeah, and, and and COVID has like exacerbated it so much. Like there'd be times in the past couple of weeks where I'm just like, dang, I'm bored. Like you guys must <laughs> yes. be miserable. You're that is the worst thing as a teacher. Thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and and so, so there have been times, you know, where now I guess I'm comfortable enough to mm-hmm. be like, you know, let's, let's just not do this and let's mm-hmm. do something else. Like let's talk mm-hmm. about the election or let's talk about something that is relevant mm-hmm. and will make you guys like, go home and say like, Hey mom, look like this is what we learned in class. No one's saying that about the, you know, war of 1812 or so, you know? So I, I I don't know. I just, and then that gives you excitement as a teacher and teachers Mm -hmm. who are energized and that, that like bring that passion students Mm -hmm. vibe off that. And I think that's what we need. But then there's also like the, the flip side, which is, you know, in the areas that we teach in a lot of cases, like there's so many achievement gaps. Well, it's so hard to do both, you know, six week research project, the kids get so much out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, you know, what if their reading level is way behind? Like, what if their comprehension and all that stuff? It's such a dilemma. I agree Um, because it and and it's a balance. And I feel like if there's a way we can balance the curriculum, like, yes, we do need to prepare students for these tests because at the end of the day, like that's how we get funding and all of that. And we still have to be accountable to like the state and their expectations. But I also feel like we should make school fun because if not, then you start, you start to lose kids. Like kids drop out. Kids don't come to school on time because it's boring. Right. Yeah. I think that's something that schools need to start considering is one, how do you balance the state expectations? Like the, 
the star exam and those kind of things, more creative kind of topics that that's happened to that, that other side of kids. Well, I um, kind of talk about just your favorite memory as a teacher so far. I'm sure you've got mm-hmm. a bunch or funniest or favorite or whatever. And then your most impactful one. I don't know which one, if you had any in mind. Well, definitely I do have a bunch of favorites. My first year as a teacher, I was 20 two at the time, maybe like fresh out of college. And I decided to start a step team after school. We would meet for I think about two hours and just I would teach them different routines. And we had an opportunity to actually go to another school and perform in front of a huge crowd. And it was just like fun because it was like these Black girls that were on my grade level, seventh graders, and just like some, some other girls as well. And we drove out there. We stopped at McDonald's. And they were just like really excited just to get off campus and to be able to just perform and just showcase like what they've been learning. And I just really love that. And I just think about just the relationships I built with them. Every single lunch period, they were in my classroom. (laughs) Like I felt like I never had an opportunity just to eat lunch by myself. And sometimes they wanted to know what I was eating. And sometimes they would just eat what I I had. Mm -hmm. I just remember those group of girls. And the sad part is because our school is, I thought that was predominantly Latino. None of those girls actually made it through thinking about it right now. They all ended up moving to different schools just because the Black population was so small. And they also didn't like a lot of the rules and regulations that were in place. But I just really, I really love those girls and just the time that we spent together, for sure. Each year you start teaching, kids are less welcome in your room during lunch. (laughs) At least that's how it is for me. It's like the first year, there's 15 kids and I'm talking about my, my social life and I'm spilling everything, you know, and then by the fourth year, I'm just like, you stay away from my classroom. I'm eating lunch. This is my time. Back away. What about most... I guess that kind of is both. Do you have do you have like a funny? I hope you'd have a, a, a at least a good memory from when we were on the same team because I have some good memories there. I think I have a funny way. I don't know why this is coming to my mind, but I should, probably should have shared it out. <laughs> Share it out, and then we could cut it out. Because I'm like it's because of who the student is, and I'm not going to say his name obviously because this is going to yeah. be. Why didn't you taught? No, you haven't taught. You didn't teach him. Oh yeah, I did. I did. You taught him? Yeah, yeah. My Well, I taught him for three quarters of a year before COVID. COVID sent us home. Okay. He was randomly farting class. Did he do that with you in your class? Well, well he, he grew. You'd be proud of him. He, he, would, he would ask wow. to step outside. And, and the whole class knew. The whole grade knew. They said, all right, you got this. Do your thing. <laughs> I don't even know why that's coming to mind because I'm sure that's not like the funniest, but that's just like what's at the top of my mind right now. <laughs> He would come back and he'd be ready to work. Because it was so disgusting. I'm like, I don't know what you eat, but it's just like. Oh my! I it, it I feel like there's so many things that happen, and we're lucky in that they happen so rapidly. You know, you'll get ten in a day, and then you'll talk about it in happy hour, and then yeah, forget about them. So I can't even think. They're just I don't know. I feel like I remember long term more like the impactful moments. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that like one of the things I really cherished was the grade level team that we mm-hmm. were all a part of because mm-hmm. through the tough times this year has, has happened. I'm at a new school and it's, and it's been weird, especially with COVID. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know the kids. I, I, 
started teaching them in October in person and I had just known them from the screen. So I, yeah. no one who knew who I was and, and to see like the familiar faces and then to be able to like at the end of the, Hey Terry, Hey Kevin, remember those like fifth board times mm-hmm. and remember those crazy times. I, I, I think I took it for granted because we yeah. had such a tight team my first couple of years. I was like spoiled mm-hmm. to where last year and the year before where I was like, man, I, I don't like, like I get along with everyone and I like everyone, mm-hmm. but there's no one that I'm going to like go to happy hour and, 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 and just have like a deep relationship with. So I definitely miss that. And that just even makes me think about just COVID and the impact that it has on teaching. I just think about like just the mental health of teachers. And I just feel like that hasn't necessarily been at the forefront. Those Friday happy hours, like I would look forward to that. Like, hey, are we going to grooves? (laughs) (laughs) And just because you just need that moment to like decompress and to be around people that understand like what you're going through even being able to like text Kevin and just be like hey can you take so-and-so in your room because I can't I can't right now just being able to like have that kind of bond but like now with COVID we're literally working in silos and just trying to just really trying to make it and really trying to teach kids the best of our ability but we don't have that interaction anymore you can't just like hang out in someone's classroom or can't just go and decompress and say like hey I've had a horrible day like I just need to talk to someone for for a moment. That's one thing I'll say with COVID. It's just, it's a struggle. And just feel bad that teachers can't have those kind of connections to be able to to be around each other, support around support each other. Cause it's it's kind of like, you know, that those are your people. Like you're like, okay, at least when you go to work, you know, you might have a crazy day, but at the end of the day, you know, there are people that are gonna be there for you and people that you can count on. So Yeah, I don't know if I could have survived my first year teaching without you guys. Um and so it's crazy. It's really testing our our will and like how how much resolve we have towards staying in education because you know there have been times this year where I've said, you know, why am I like I'm not making an impact? Like why am I in this field? You know, I don't feel like I'm doing a good job and it's not fun, you know. And yeah. it's like those connections are really what energizes us. So, yeah, I guess we'll see. I mean, I guess 2021. Yeah. I, we'll go I from hope there. So. I, I really hope so. I'm hoping that things will turn around and that we'll be able to go back to normal as soon as possible because this is not fun. All right. Well, thank you, Sheikha. You gave us so much. And I just appreciate your, not only you as a manager and a friend, uh, but then also, of course, as the inaugural guest of Tea Time with the Teacher. Thank you, Sheikha. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to to be a part of this. So looking forward to hearing the final edits and everything. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited that you've decided to start this endeavor, and I'm really excited to hear all the other guests that you're going to have on. Thank you all for listening to our first episode of Tea Time with the Teacher. We have an Instagram under Tea Time with the Teachers. Give us a follow. Send me a message about a future guest you want on or a question you want me to ask or a topic you want me to talk about. Anything, please let me know because I want to make this a podcast that everyone enjoys and everyone can connect to. And tune in next week for our next guest. Thank you guys for listening.